Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in Jesus' mighty name. Such a wonderful time in the presence of God and I believe God is going to continue to minister to your heart and my heart this day. God has, we have just come through a season where around the world people have celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Indeed, Jesus is alive. You see, when you look in the Bible and uh, in the season after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the disciples that were dispersed and they had gone in their different ways, they came back together and they met with Jesus over the next 40 days. Jesus spent time with them. He regrouped his disciples. He demonstrated his resurrection power to them. He showed them that he was no longer dead. He was alive. He told Thomas, put your hands in my, your finger in my hands and see that I'm for real. And I believe these days, it is God's desire that in your life and my life, that we will experience Jesus in a tremendous way and the resurrection power of God. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that I might somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. I believe every one of us must experience this resurrection power of God. But after the resurrection, something amazing happens. They waited in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, you see that the Lord told you, you tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And they got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts in chapter 2. And they, Peter stood up and then he began to preach the gospel and, and many were added to the church and they began to do a life together as a church. You see, this was a new beginning for a small group of people that had encountered Jesus as their savior. A rabbi who they thought was one of the regular Jewish preachers had now become their Lord and savior. They were born again. There was an excitement of that. There was a connection to heaven that had happened. And I believe God wanted, wants us also to enjoy the life that the New Testament church enjoyed after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me dive right into today's message. And I want to call it the power of togetherness. The power of togetherness. A few weeks ago, our brother Abraham took a topic on where two or three are gathered. And I want to continue building on that. And I want to call today's topic the power of togetherness. Let's look at the same scripture Abraham looked at. Uh, with us a month ago. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18 and verse 20. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. There is power in togetherness. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst. You see, when two or three are gathered together, God is saying that the creator of heaven and earth himself will come to the midst of the gathering of God's people when they gather together for God's will, God's plan, according to God's way. The Bible says, when those that feared the Lord began to speak with one another, God came down from heaven to listen. God is interested in our togetherness. God is interested in a family being together. God is interested in the church being together. God is interested in our hearts being knit together. God is interested in all of this. In togetherness, there is power. But God is also aware that many of us, in fact, most of us would not be naturally inclined towards togetherness. We would be naturally inclined to 
isolation, naturally inclined to be alone, naturally inclined to go towards people we are comfortable with rather than be inclined to come together naturally to fulfill God's purpose in our life and generation. So let's look at another scripture, Matthew 18 and verse 19. The Bible says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask and it shall be done by my father who is in heaven. If two of you will agree, God is saying, I'm not asking for very many people. I'm saying even if two can agree on anything and three can gather together, I will come in their midst and I will answer their prayer. Hallelujah. There is power. That is why praying alone has power. But praying together corporately has tremendous power. There is power in togetherness. Togetherness is powerful. We see all through the Bible, we see that the Lord blessed togetherness and unity. When you look in the Bible, God blessed togetherness and unity. Let's look at Genesis and chapter 11. Verse 1 to 9. That's a very commonly seen portion of scripture. Genesis 11, 1 to 9. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. And verse 2 onwards, in fact, uh, the Bible says in verse 1, Now all the earth used the same language and the same words. And, and it came about as they journeyed east. Now look at the power of togetherness. They all used the same language, together in language. And as it came about as they journeyed east, together as they traveled. When they moved, they moved together. When they stopped, they stopped together. Even the people of Israel, when they were traveling under the cloud and under the, and behind the fire, they moved together. When the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the fire moved, they moved. Because there was the presence of God in the cloud and in the fire. The people of Babel, they journeyed east. They traveled together. And they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They settled down together. They lived together. The verse 3 says, Then they said to one another, Come, let us break make break and fire them thoroughly. That means they started using new technology together. When they understood the technology, they came together and they started using it together. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. This was the first time they were experimenting with new kind of material so that they can build a building that could reach the heaven. And they did it. They used new technology together. Verse 4 says, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. And a tower whose top will reach into heaven. They're saying, let us build something unparalleled, which has never been done in history till now. Which means they begin to envision together. The whole group of people of Babel, they envisioned together. And then why did they envision? They said, and let us make a name for ourselves. Which means, they said, let us build a brand together. Let us create a, 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 a clan identity together. Let us come together and, and let the people around know that we are together in everything because that was what, you know, they were trying to do. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. They're saying in order not to be scattered everywhere, that we will be one people, we will live together, we will work together, we will serve together, and, and all of that, in order for us not to be scattered everywhere, let us build a tower. And let us build for ourselves 
uh, a name. Let us build a, a name that is so, you know, well known. And then you see they build a, they build a brand together. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth, which means otherwise we will not be together anymore. If we don't come together, if we don't speak the same language, if we don't build a tower, if we don't get ourselves a name, if we don't have an identity, if we don't come together like that, the people of Babel were saying, we will be scattered, which means they understood the power of the of division that could destroy what they were having together, the, 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 the synchronizing uh, life they were having together, the synergy they had together, the plans they had together. Verse 5 says, Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the men had built, which means they built together. Now they had come together and they had built a tower. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have the same language and this is what they've started to do and nothing which they plan will be impossible for them. Look what God is saying. Nothing is impossible in togetherness. If you and I would come together, and if we would dream a dream for God, nothing would be impossible for us. God is aware of the power of togetherness, of the power. His kingdom is together. There is no division in his kingdom. His angels obey his command. There is power in togetherness. Nothing is impossible when they live together and they work together. Come, let us go down. And they confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So what happens is that God says, the way they're going in this way is not, uh, you know, is, is, is in such a way that nothing is impossible for them. And God was aware that they were a fallen group of people from the Garden of Ad, uh, Eden. They were a fallen group of people and God had to slow this down because God knew that their being together was going to, was going to propel them to a speed of discoveries and finding things and working together and identities. Uh, that was going to become, that nothing was going to be impossible for them. Just imagine, isn't that amazing? What am I trying to talk about today? I want to tell you this morning, for the first thing I want to tell you, that there is power in being together. That the devil knows if he can divide you. The devil knows if he can divide your home, your, divide your family, your marriage. The devil knows if he can divide the ministry. The devil knows if he can divide the church. What we are able to do together, if he can divide you, if he can isolate you or if he can take you away from the carousel, if he can take you away from the will of God and the heart of God and the plans of God, the devil knows that nothing is impossible. So God scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, which means they were no longer together. And they stopped building the city, which was the end of the vision. Of building that building. Now God was not afraid of a building that would reach the sky. What was God concerned about? I think God was concerned about that if they went on like this, then nothing was impossible with them. The way they would discover, the way they would, the speed at which they would develop, and the speed at which they would be one man and one people, and they would discover things, they would be unstoppable, and by which they would destroy their own lives. So, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad the face of the whole earth, which means they no longer lived and no longer envisioned together. But at the same time, God is not a God of division. Why did God separate them? God separated them because God knew that they're going to come in their own way. They're going to come in the ways of God's will for their life, God's goodness. Why? Because there was a prophetic word in the garden. God had told uh, the, the serpent, 
and Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. God had a plan. And if they were together, this plan, even this plan, maybe they may come against it and stand in the way of God's amazing redemption. On the day of Pentecost, Acts and chapter 2, the Bible says that the 120 were gathered together and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It was powerful. God said, put the Spirit upon them. And then the Bible says, on that day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, the Bible says. You see that? They were separated at Babel. But when God's family kingdom with the Holy Ghost was coming together, the Bible says they all came together in one place. The beginning of the church happened because people were willing to come together. Hallelujah. The anointed move of God upon the church happened because people were coming together. Because they were willing to pray together. Because they were willing to fast together. Because they were willing to trust God together. Because they were willing to listen to the word of God together. Because they were willing to come under godly leadership together. The church was birthed in togetherness. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house that they were sitting in. And the tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves and a tongue rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. They all spoke together. They spoke together in unknown tongues. Yes, there were different languages. But the people that heard these different languages, they heard the language in their own tongue and they were astonished and they began to give glory to God. And that is when the Bible says, and in verse 14, but when Peter taking a stand with the other 11, Peter stood up and the 11 stood with him. They were together in leadership. They were together to face the mockery of people. They were together to face the criticism of people for their newfound anointing. They were together to explore the, the prophecies of the Bible being fulfilled in and through their lives. They were together to take the shame. They were together to get insulted. They were together because they knew that God was doing something in their life and they understood the power of togetherness. Many people want to be together only in the fame and they do not want to be together in the shame. But here are the 11 standing together. And they are not concerned about the fame or the shame. They are concerned about the power of God's messianic prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. And then through Jesus, now as they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the promise of Christ fulfilled on their life. And they saw the resurrected Christ. One after the other, the promises of God were beginning to be fulfilled in their life. And that day Peter preached a message. And they were struck to the heart. Everyone that heard the message was struck to their heart. And the Bible says 3,000 were added that day to the church. 3,000, hallelujah, were added that day to the church. Only those that decided to come together into the ark in Noah's flood. Only those that decided to come together in the ark made it through that flood. There were a million reasons not to come together. Maybe you'd say, well, someone said like this. In fact, I like the saying, they said like this. The, the stench in the ark would have been unbearable unless 
it were for the storm outside. When people come together, they don't understand the power of togetherness. That we can actually achieve more by being together than by one gifted person alone. Many years ago, when I would travel uh, for the work, Lord's work, uh, to minister in different places, uh, I would take a few people with me. The Lord spoke to me one day. He said, John, take people with you, two, three people with you, so that you can go and minister in different places. The only challenge was sometimes when we would have to go to places, it would cost us, it would be expensive for uh, the, some of the people inviting us to, you know, to uh, bear the expenses of uh, two, three people or four people going there. And it would sometimes it would be far off places or uh, other locations. And so it was always easier for me to tell the people, you know what, I'm coming alone. And so because many times, even if they would want to cover the expenses, it would just be easy to cover the expense of one person. But the Lord told me, I want you to take two or three people and I want you to go with them. Now, the challenge with taking two or three people was that when I would go there, you see, the people would have to accommodate them or, or maybe pay for it. Or, and they would get upset sometimes. And sometimes they would tell me, Dr. John, why don't you come alone? And I'd have to tell them because the Lord asked me to try and take one or two people with me where I travel to minister in different places. So when I would do that, sometimes uh, I would give these people also chances to minister. Maybe if I would speak 10 messages and I'd give them one or two sessions so that they would take, so that they would grow in the Lord and they would develop as preachers. And I would go and, and preachers would come and tell them, um, the local people sometimes would tell me, Pastor, next time you preach all the messages. Now, that had a feel-good factor. That would tell me I'm a better preacher than my, my team. That told me that people appreciated my messages better. And that also told me that if I go, another thing would happen. Sometimes they'd give us an offering. And we give us an offering, you know, I would, I would bless my team. I would, I would bless them also with what the, the people in that place who invited us, uh, blessed us with. Now that meant if I took people, the, sometimes the organizers would not pay for them, which means we'd have to trust God for the travel. If I took people, I'd have to trust God with the people being unhappy with the people ministering with me, maybe would not minister the way I did. I'd have to trust God with sometimes paying for the accommodation of people when we would go and preach in different places. And then after everything, I'd have to trust God because I'd have to, whatever blessing they gave us, I'd have to bless the people that came with me. You see, togetherness was always costly. Togetherness was costly, but I understood the power of togetherness. Only those that were in the ark who came together decided we will take the stench together. We will handle, we will handle life with all these animals. Can you imagine there were rats in the ark and snakes in the ark? Can you imagine there were hedgehogs and there were porcupines in the ark? Can you imagine there would have been slimy creatures in the ark that some, you know, if I, that makes me wonder. And there would be tigers in the ark and lions in the ark. And that makes me wonder whether we would get into the ark. And oftentimes when you read the word of God, I grow to appreciate these men of faith so much more when I see how, how they have moved on in a powerful way and how they stepped into a realm of obeying God and, and honoring him through the word of God by his prophetic word. You see, only those that had, they had got into the house with the blood of the doorposts in Egypt, the Israeli people that went into the house and they observed the Passover, and they saw the passing over from death to life only when they came together. And I'm sure in those families, there would be some cousins who didn't like each other. I'm sure there would be brothers and sisters who were upset with each other. I'm sure there would be husbands and wives who had just fought the previous night. 
But when the angel of death was passing by, the Bible says, I want you to come together household by household. People of God, everything in our flesh may not want us to be together. Everything in our mind might tell us, I don't like that person. I don't like her. I, I want to separate. I want a divorce. I want to, you know, I don't want to be together in the family. I don't want to be part of this church. Everything in our heart may be telling us that it is not worth being together. But only those people who came inside that house together that day uh, saw the angel of death passing by. Only those of the saints that had walked with God, that heaven recognized as saints, were raised up together in Jerusalem. At the same time, at the resurrection of Jesus, the graves were opened and the people, the saints of God were raised up together and they entered Jerusalem at the same time because they had walked with God. They rose together. And I want to say today, only those that are going to be his bride, only those that are going to stand together with God's word, obey God's word, live according to God's word, love God's word, uh, you know, read God's word, meditate on God's word, and then fulfill, fully obey, submit to God's word and God's plan on our lives. Only we are going to be the bride that's going to be caught up in heaven. At the sound of the trumpet and the shout of the archangel, the dead in Christ shall rise and then those that are alive at that time shall be caught up with him. Even in marriage, there's a power of togetherness. You see, Matthew's Gospel 19.6 6 says, So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no person separate. That which God has joined together, let no person separate. You see, one of the plans of God was for the two to come together and for them to become one. For a husband and a wife to come together and become one. And that's the journey of marriage. For the two to become one. That no longer, no longer are they two people, but they are going to, no person is going to be separate. God has joined together. God does not want what God has joined together for it to be separated. Because what God has joined together, God is blessed. God's got a plan upon it. Right from the Garden of Eden, God's plan was togetherness. The Bible looks, says in Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper that is suitable for him. Because two is better than one, Ecclesiastes says. When you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in fact, from verse 9 to verse 12, we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, verse 9 onwards, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two is better than one, the Bible says. Even in our labor, we are able to do more. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another one to lift him up. I don't know who's listening to me today. Woe to you if you fall and there isn't another one to lift you up because you do not want to be together in the plan of God. Our temptation is to, is to work alone, privacy, stand by myself. Furthermore, the Bible says, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, who can resist him? A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Even in marriage, God plans togetherness. God plans for a family to be together. Husband, wife and children to be together. To be married and live together. To do life together. You know, many times people, they get married and then they live separate lives for whatever reasons, financial reasons, uh, for various reasons, people live separate lives. And uh, even though they're comfortable with it, 
God's desire and plan was for them to live together and to be companions. So as much as possible, if it were not an absolute emergency, I would not recommend for people to live lives that are separate from your family or your spouse or, or your marriage. Because in marriage, in your family, in your home, that is where God gives you companionship. If you're alone, God wants you to have companionship, that you two are better than one. You're able to find joy in each other's company. God wants you to find partnership, that you don't work alone because your strengths may be your spouse's weakness and your weakness may be your spouse's strengths. And so there is a partnership. Not only is there partnership, there's friendship when you come together. The two of you can become friends. Your children and you can become friends. That the, the home may not be a lonely place. The home would be a place where you can talk together and have fun together and, and do fun things together. That you would have friendship in your family. You'd have comfort in your family. That if somebody is feeling down and discouraged or you're wounded or somebody said mean words to you and you go back home and they comfort you. There is vision in a family purpose. That as a family, whatever the vision is, families have vision. Some people have visions that were last temporal and other families have visions that are eternal. But whatever the vision, God has got vision through a family. He's got provision through a family. The husband works in one place and the wife works in another way. And, and some in the home and some outside the home. And they bring back the returns of their labor. There is provision in the home. There is food in the home. There is financial blessing in the home. They bring back finances because they are a family together. They have an inheritance together because your parents were families and they worked together. Maybe that is why you had an inheritance because they were responsible family that stayed together, worked together, lived together, that it was passed on uh, to, into family. You will have generations together, children, sons, daughters born in your youth, that they will carry on your name. You will have protection for, for one another. The children will find protection. The spouse will find protection in one another. You'll have encouragement from one another. When you're feeling discouraged, the exam is too difficult and your, and your family is encouraging you. You can do it. Or the job is too hard. You want to give up and you have your family praying for you and encouraging you. They will, you, you, you will have a prayer support when you are a family together. You pray together. The prayer family stands together and prays together. You will have, you will be challenged to grow in areas that, that you are not strong in, even as you are living together as a family. So far, I was telling you things about the areas, how they blessed you. Now, let me tell you, they will challenge you when you're a family being together. You'll be challenged to grow in areas. You know, we all have rough edges. When we live separate lives, when we live single lives, we don't have many people telling us what is wrong with us or what needs to change in our life because all we're thinking about at that time is that how I want to be, you know, I am right. And, and then you, when you get married, you have your wife and your children telling you, Daddy, you need to change in these areas. So these are areas you need to fix. So Mommy, these are areas you need to change because you're not showing integrity. You will be challenged to grow. In families, you will have godly order. There is a godly order that is said. You will learn to work with godly order when you come together. You will have discipline. You will have discipline and correction, rebuke, because you are in families. When God plants you in families and discipleship, because there will be a training of the ways of God in the families. You'll have forgiveness that you will experience for one another, where you will say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Could you forgive me? You develop character when you live together. And you learn to sacrifice. You learn to sacrifice. Today is a generation. People are living well, in many places around the world. People live one child in one room. 
and they all have their own space. While many, while millions of others don't have that privilege, they're all together. And the families that live together without much space, they've learned to share, they've learned to accommodate, they've learned to sacrifice, they've learned to, they've learned to live without much privacy. They've learned to say, you know what, it's okay for me, uh, for all of us to live in whatever space we have. Families coming together is powerful. Not only is it powerful when families come together, it's powerful when ministries come together. When ministries come together, there is power when a ministry comes together. There is power togetherness. There is power in togetherness. The Bible says in Luke's Gospel chapter 9 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now he called the twelve together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and the power to heal all diseases. He gave them authority and power over all demons and the power to heal diseases. He called them together and he did not give power to any one superman. That is why in the church of the living God, God does not want to have just supermen. God doesn't want to have this great evangelist or that mighty miracle man or this great pastor or that famous apostle. God wants the leaven, the leadership to stand together. God wants the church to stand together and he wants to give them power. He wants to give them authority over all demons and the power to heal diseases because there is power in togetherness. If there is power in togetherness, then there is also pain in togetherness. The second thing I want to talk about togetherness today is that there is pain in togetherness. There is pain when we come together. It is not easy. I agree it is not easy. It is not the natural thing. You know, we'd like to come together. I've seen children. They like to come together over common fun things. And only when exams come and you've grown to a place of maturity where you want to come together to study because you mutually benefit each other. I've very rarely seen, or maybe I've, I've never seen, small children come together for combined study because they, don't, they probably don't find value in that. It's the parents who sit down with them and try to teach them or the teachers who sit down with them and try to teach them. And when you have to learn like that, you see, when, when there is a coming of a team together, Oh, when the parent and the child come together for that exam, to study for that exam, I'm sure there is pain in that togetherness. You see, the child is wriggling, doesn't want to sit down, yeah, you know, is really, really upset and, and all of that. I remember when I was a little boy, my father called, uh, you know, when we would come for vacations from the Middle East, we lived in the Middle East, and we came for vacations to India to teach me Malayalam, uh, to teach me and my siblings Malayalam. My father got a Malayalam teacher. And that, in those days, that Malayalam teacher came with a cane. I never understood why he came with a cane, but I'm talking about like 40, 40 plus years ago. And he came with a cane and he would just, you know, show us that cane teaching us Malayalam. And uh, I would be wriggling in my chair. For one, I'm a high-strung, high-energy fellow. I'd be wriggling in that chair. I didn't like that Malayalam, uh, you know, Masha's mustache. I didn't like that, uh, that, that Malayalam master's mustache. I didn't like the way he taught. And I was wriggling in my chair. I was somehow trying to figure out how to get out of that particular circumstance. And then suddenly I want to go to the toilet. And after five minutes, I want to go to the toilet again. And then the fan, I want the fan on. After five minutes, I want the fan off. And then I want the light on. Then I want the light off. Because this togetherness was costing me. It was bothering me. There is pain in togetherness. It's not easy. It is not my will at that point to be together with that Malayalam master 
who was going to teach me that language. It was not my will to be together with him. Because there is pain when we come together. It is not the will of God, the will of man. But I want you to know, why do we go through pain when God wants us to come together? Because it is the will of God. When Jacob and Esau were together in the mother's womb, there was a battle in the mother's womb. They were fighting even from the womb. Because when you are together, you see, two babies in one womb, I, I, I think that's very little space for them. And so if you are used to one baby in one womb, you've lived your own little private life in that womb, it's far easier than two babies together. Much little space. You can't grow to the size a single baby would grow. Jacob and Esau, they had a struggle right from the womb. The Bible says in Genesis 25, 22, but the children, they struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why am I in this condition? And she went to inquire of the Lord. There was a battle going on in the womb. There was, she said, why, why am I going through this pain? The battle of the two together in the womb began to cause the mother pain. And sometimes it's like that. When two are put together by God, the battle of the two together that's going on causes people around you pain. It causes people that believe for you, that are praying for you, that are trusting God for you, that are, you know, fasting and seeking heaven for you. It brings pain. It brings pain. A broken marriage between a husband and wife brings pain to the children. It brings pain to your parents. It brings pain to the people that care about you. But I want you to know that there is pain in doing the will of God. That to coming together has its pain. But when you have come together and agreed, God is saying, if two of you will agree touching anything on earth, I will do it for you. Why is God bringing husband and wife two together? Because there is power in togetherness. But there is also pain in togetherness. And this is why God wants us to teach us to sacrifice. God wants us to teach us to obey. And when I do not want to obey, the Bible says, submit your heart to God. Because my flesh does not want to obey. Everything within me, I don't want to obey God. I don't want to listen to God. I don't want to walk with God. But I, I have to recognize that there is a togetherness as we obey God. That there is a blessing. There is a power. There is a togetherness in obeying God. There's a pain due to the will of God. That Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says like this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. As for the Lord and not for people. When you come together, the person over you, your boss may be harsh with you. He may scold you. But little re realizing, he's not scolding you because he's trigger happy. Maybe he's scolding you because you're not keeping deadlines. But if we would appreciate why the person rebuked us or scolded us, scolded us we would actually be able to do better. If our hearts are safe in the Lord, we'd be able to do better and bring a better reward for our labor. Even though pain comes, you know, weeping lasts at night time, but joy comes in the morning. So if it is the will of God, I want you to know, ignore the pain. Jesus, the Bible says, he says, he says, you know, setting the pain aside, he ignored the pain and he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He just forgot about it. He said, I don't care about the pain. I don't care about the shame. You know why he did that and he endured the cross? Because he thought of you. And he thought of me. There is pain in the will of God. Jesus said, if it's possible, 
take this cup of suffering away from me. But not my will, your will be done. When we come together as a team, as a ministry, as a family, we don't want to work together. We don't want to be together. Why? Because it's just far easier to be alone. And so in our heart, we tell ourselves, let's not be together. Let me just come. In fact, many of us are together in a workspace, but we may be privately living our own work life. We won't know how to care for one another. And God wants us to know what is the will of God. Jesus said, not my will. He said, I have come to do the will of the Father. He said, your will be done. He taught them to work together. When the disciples were discussing who's the greatest, he said, no, no, let's work together. There is pain. There is pain in togetherness. When people come together, there can be pain because of selfish interests. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, the Bible says, now in giving this next instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for better but for worse. What is Apostle Paul saying? He's saying when you come together as a church to worship God, Apostle Paul got reports that people are coming together and they're beginning to just go straight and start eating because they were hungry. And Paul is upset and he's saying, I don't praise you. The your behavior you're having, each of you are coming to church for your own selfishness. You're coming to church for your own food. Don't you have food at home that you can eat? You see, because communion in those days, in the New Testament days, was not a small little wafer and a tiny uh, a whiff of wafer and a, a small spoon of uh, you know grape juice. It wasn't that. It was whole meals that they were having. They had their meals together, the Bible says. So when they came together, when they came together, there was selfish people among them. When God brings the church together, I want you to know, There'll be selfish people even in the church. You know, when we came to church, we didn't come to church so that we can serve God. We came to church because we want to know how God could serve us, how God could bless us, how God could prosper us, how God could take us to heaven, how God could forgive us, how God could be kind to us, and how God would overlook all our faults while we find it difficult to overlook the faults of others. Our hearts are essentially selfish, and the Holy Spirit is encouraging and challenging us and saying, I want you to come together even if there are selfish people. Because when you serve them and they begin to see how you unconditionally love them and work with them, you, go, you can be an opportunity, have an opportunity to transform their life. We have pain in togetherness because people are essentially selfish. They come to see how they can be blessed through their environment. We have pain when we come together. Sometimes as families, when, when we come together, we're selfish. Two selfish people coming together and that brings pain. Each one concerned about themselves. Oftentimes I see children fighting with each other. And when they fight, they're, they're bragging about who's better than the other. Oh yeah, I finished my studies in one hour. Oh yeah, I finished in 45 minutes. Oh yeah, you think you're very smart. I did mine in 30 minutes. You see, each one of the children are bragging about themselves. And I think to myself, when, when families or spouses have differences with each other, they're bragging to each other about who suffered more, or who sacrificed more, all of that. No, God is, listen, God wants you to know there is power in coming together. And that's why God has brought you together. There may be pain in coming together, but you can overcome that which God has allowed in your life. When you come together, there may be conflicts. And the pain comes because of conflicts. Even in the New Testament church, there were conflicts. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 on 2, he says, I urge you, dear, and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Paul is saying, I, I'm begging you, please, Yudia, please, Syntyche, could you please not fight with each other? I'm urging you to live in harmony, harmonically 
which means in synchronizing, synchronizing your life. Not fighting with each other. For some reason, you dear, since you both were born again, baptized with the Holy Ghost, water baptized, filled with the plans of God and fighting one another. Isn't that some, how some of our homes are? Isn't that how some of our families are? Isn't that some, we know we came together because of God's will, but we have not figured out how to work together in tandem. We've not figured out how that, the power of togetherness. We've not understood the power of togetherness because we are so, so busy fighting the battle of selfishness. Battle of selfishness. God is saying, I want you to come together. I am pleading with you too. You shared with me in the gospel when we struggled. Please come together, stand together with others whose name is written in the book of life. You know, when I think about that, it crosses my mind. If we don't stand together in the work of God, is it possible that our names can be removed from the book of life? Is it possible that we are unfaithful because of our personal offense, we stand away from the togetherness of the church? Because of our personal offense, when we stand away from the togetherness in the family, because of our personal preferences, when we stand away from the togetherness that God has planned. Are we going to give account on that day? He says, together with those whose names are written in heaven, in the book of life. Why, does there, why is there pain in togetherness? Because of divisions. These conflicts will bring divisions. And they, each one begins to say, you know what? I don't like that group in the church, but I like this group. Oh, I don't, I don't like that one, but I like this one. Or I don't like that person, I like this one. Some say, I follow Paul. Some say, I follow Apollos. What happens is that they forget that God has called them together to follow Christ. God has called us together to follow Christ. He's called your family together to follow Christ. He's called your ministry together to follow Christ. He's called our churches together. To follow Christ. Not that we will fight which church is bigger than the other. It really doesn't matter which church is bigger than the other. For a man of God who understands that we are together his church. It really does not matter how many people are there in the church. We forget to stand together because of divisions. Oh, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And Paul reminded them, let's follow Christ. When we come together, there are the pain of the weeds that are there among the wheat. When we come together, there are deceivers among us. There are some people that have come to make merchandise out of the gospel. There are some people that come among us in the church to see how they can be benefited, how to use people. There are people that have come to our churches where they'll come for an advantage or some financial gain. They say, if you go to that church, you can get a, maybe you can get a, a good contract from the business or, or if you go to that church, you may find a rich spouse or if you go to that church, you may find an educated person or things like that. So they come for benefit, personal benefit. People can come and they might be deceivers and all oh, the number of deceivers that have been there in the body of Christ. Deceivers who have been, who have been complainers and, and backbiters and, and critical people and non-contributors. Why? Because they came with a consumer mentality. Even in marriages, people come into marriage with a consumer mindset. What can I get out of this marriage? I'm marrying that person. He's got a good salary. He's got a good home. He's got all of that. Oh, consumer mentality. And the spouse also comes in like that. He looks at her and, and she, he says, oh, she's got a good job. She can ha handle a good job. And there's a consumer mentality. And when that comes in, 
we end up deceiving one another. Many churches have a lot of weeds. People, deceivers that come in. And the Bible says, God's going to love them to grow together. So that even, that you would listen to God's word and truth, read the word and stand up against deceivers. And that you would love God in such a way that you will forgive these deceivers who come to cheat you. And on the day of judgment, God is going to look into whatever they have deceived you about. Pain comes in. There is pain in coming together. Pain comes in many times in your life and my life because we are loyal people. Because we want to guard our character. Somebody shouts at us, we can't shout back. Somebody curses us, we can't curse back. Oh, there's pain in our heart. Somebody accuses us, lies about us. They say, you are a hypocrite. You're a liar. You're a selfish person. All you think about yourself. When people say that about us, because of our loyalty to covenant, because of our commitment to the word of God and the ways of God, there is pain in togetherness. Many times your spouse may be ungodly and you can't behave back in the same way. There's pain in togetherness. But the Bible says, when your spouse watches your godly life, that he might repent or she might repent and turn to God. There is power in togetherness, but there is also pain in togetherness because we may be loyal people. But that same pain that comes because of our loyalty, that same loyalty will make others pray for you and me, uphold us before the throne of grace. And I believe today God is calling you to this place. He's calling you to this place where he wants you to not be afraid of pain, not be concerned about a pain, because even in the midst of pain, God is going to build you up. Many times when we come together, this pain because we're not treated fair, fairly. Maybe some people are more treated more partially. Others are, you, someone got a promotion you should have got, but you worked together. Somebody got recognized. The leaders, they appreciated some people but did not appreciate the others. Do you know oftentimes the weaker ones are the ones that get appreciated the most? They say it's the crying baby that gets the milk. And so oftentimes what happens is that the stronger people end up being appreciated less. Or the more visible people get appreciated more. People that are in front of the camera, we are the ones that maybe get appreciated more. And the ones that are hidden and serving behind, they are not appreciated. Unfair treatment. The Bible says in Acts in chapter 6, you know that there were some, as the disciples' numbers were increasing, verse 1, a complaint arose among the Hellenistic Jews about, against the native Jews. They were, here you have, they're having racial challenges now. Greek Jews and the local Israeli Jews. Because they said their widows were being overlooked in the daily rations of serving food. When you come together, you might feel, oh, I'm being unfairly treated. Because I'm a Greek Jew. Can you imagine first century church? The believers in the church making sure that the Jewish, Israeli Jews got, widows got the food. And then the, then only the Greek uh, Jew widows. See, already the heart of man is wicked. You're in the church, but a wicked heart. Can you imagine that? It was there from the first century church itself. You might be unfairly treated, but I want you to know, they didn't run away. There was power and togetherness. They took it to the leaders. They escalated the conflict. They escalated the challenge. And I want you to know, you can also take things to the Lord in prayer. You can take things to your leaders in prayer, even if you're unfairly treated. I want you to know, you and I can escalate things to God and He will answer our prayer. I believe there is power when we come together. But there's also pain in coming together. And today, if you have been together and going through pain, 
If you've been going through the pain of togetherness, I want to pray for you right now. And I want to say, Holy Spirit, I want to pray in Jesus' name. Father, in the midst of their pain of togetherness, they will not forget the power of togetherness. They will not forget that two is better than one because they reap a better labor for their reward for their labor. They will not forget the power of togetherness that nothing is impossible if they can learn how to work together. Nothing is impossible. I pray they will not forget the blessings of being together as a family, as being together as a church, and not running away from one church to another. I pray that you heal them today. Lord, let the forgiveness of God flow through their heart. Train them to go, grow, to become people that believe in togetherness, stand together, so that they can not only know the power of togetherness, not only, Lord, just go through the pain of togetherness, but they will understand God's plan. When he said, I want you, it is not good for man to be alone. That he brought man and woman together. He understood that plan of togetherness. And I pray the people of God will understand. They will move beyond, Lord God, the pain of togetherness to see the power of togetherness. And they will receive that plan of God. And I give you the glory. I bless your people and give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.